swing and a drive. Deep to left center field. Going, going. Goodbye, baseball. This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss. Strike three. That's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners. With more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle. Oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. It's been a minute since we've had a chance to talk. I'm Curtis Rogers with you for the next two hours here on Seattle Sports Station on 710. This is Extra Innings. And I got to say, since the last time we were able to meet, which was 16 days ago, more than two weeks ago, this Mariners team has undergone quite a tough stretch. It has not been easy on anybody within the organization. It has not been easy on the players. Look, this team is full of competitive guys. You think they're happy winning, what, three of their last 13? Three of their last, they're three and 13 in their last 16? That's not something that anybody, I think, is okay with. Why is it that this team has slumped the way they have? Now, there are plenty of ways that we can hypothesize about it but when you look at this team right now injuries have certainly taken their toll we've seen jp crawford miss time tom murphy's out of the lineup right now dealing with his shoulder injury that he suffered earlier in this homestand but the biggest loss of the season so far has been the absence of mitch hanniger first going on the COVID il and then coming back for about three innings before getting hurt against the Miami Marlins, hurting that ankle, getting a high ankle sprain. And we found out this week from Ryan Divish that, look, that recovery from the high ankle sprain may be taking a lot longer than anybody had anticipated. You know, Mitch Hanniger, it's possible that he's out 12 weeks total. When I talked to him, it was sprained bad enough that it's bone bruised on the side, on, mm. the, on the high level. Of the, it, I mean, you just don't get back from that. And we've seen how much torque that Mitch puts on his body when he swings and how hard he goes. I just don't know how long that's going to take to get him back. You know, he's still in a walking boot. Typical for a grade two, between a grade two and a grade three sprain is 12 weeks. And to play at maximum levels, that could be that long. I mean, 12 weeks without Mitch Hanniger is a long time. Just how long? We're talking all-star break. We're talking either the week prior to the all-star break or the week of the all-star break, which is July 18th. That is a long time to be without one of your clubhouse leaders in the lineup. That's one. That's a long time to be without one of the most potent bats in your lineup, a guy who hit 39 home runs a year ago and was a huge, huge part of the success that the 2021 Mariners had. Now, in his absence, people need to step up. I think that's pretty obvious to say, and we have not seen that really from a ton of guys in this lineup. Ty France has produced, J.P. Crawford has produced, but look, there is something to be said about a lineup that can pick each other up, and that has not been the case so far. Later on, we're going to hear the full conversations that Jeff Passan had uh, today with Mike Salk. That's later on in this edition of Extra Innings. But before we get into that, and what he had to say about what the Mariners need to do in terms of of ailing their woes offensively, we're going to dive into the conversation of who needs to step up the most in the absence 
of Mitch Haniger. Now, there are plenty of options right now, which kind of speaks to the state of this Mariners lineup. But I think there are two guys right now that absolutely have to outperform what they have done so far to this point. And maybe it's obvious to you, and it, I would imagine if you spend any time watching these Mariners on a nightly basis, it should be pretty obvious. The first guy is Jared Kelnick. Jared Kelnick came up last season about a year ago exactly. I believe it was a year ago tomorrow he came up for the very first time in his big league career. And the hype surrounding him was unlike anything we have seen really since maybe Felix Hernandez when he came up with the Mariners, or maybe Dustin Ackley, which, sorry to remind you of that tenure here in Seattle. But right now, Dustin Ackley has outperformed Jared Kelnick in a Mariner uniform by a lot, especially if we're looking at war. If we're if we're looking at Fangraphs war, if we're looking at baseball reference war, Dustin Ackley has more than outperformed Jared Kelnick, which I don't think anybody is comfortable with. Anybody in the Mariners organization or anybody watching the Mariners on a nightly basis. So what do you do? What do you do with Jared Kelnick? Well, this is a team that desperately needs help in the outfield. Kyle Lewis is still a ways away from being healthy enough to play on an everyday basis. Here's Jerry Depoto earlier today talking about where he sees Kyle Lewis's timeline. As has often been the case with Kyle, kind of a bit mercurial, you know, lots of highlights. He's swinging the bat very, very well. And, you know, unfortunately it hasn't been as easy for him to bounce back uh, after a day of playing defense, but uh, we're making progress. He should be out there again tonight and, and hopefully for the next three. And, and then we'll reassess where we are as, as we get through the weekend with the Mets. Uh, he will not be with us to, to begin our series in New York. But I, I think once we move past that, he, you know, if all goes well, he is in the discussion for, for one of the solutions hmm. that, that can help us. So we're not going to see him this weekend, which means we're at least three days away from potentially seeing Kyle Lewis. And they had already said he was slated for a full rehab assignment, which meant about three weeks down in the minors. So we're still quite a ways away from Kyle Lewis contributing to the Major League roster this season. So what do you do? If you're not going to send Jared Kelnick down because you just simply do not have enough healthy guys in your organization, well, then you better make sure that he is stepping up and he is shaking off whatever it is that has held him back for a full season. Yes, he had a great month of September last year, but that's one month out of a possible, what, six, seven that he spent in the major leagues? Is it the right decision to send Jared Kelnick down if he's if the best version of him is needed so badly on this Mariners roster right now? Jeff Passan, he spoke about what the Mariners should do with Jared Kelnick right now, and he thinks sending him down would not be the right move. I, I think that presupposes that sending him down would have that causative effect. And and I don't know necessarily that it would. So so let's let's look at it the opposite way. You're Jared Kalnick, you're twenty two years old, you've been in the big leagues and you're struggling. But you feel you have felt for two years now like you are a big league player. So is the yo-yo thing going to have that kind of effect on him at this point? 
or if you're the Mariners, you just say we believe in the kid's talent, we believe in his ability, and we think that allowing him to remain with the big league team long-term is going to be the thing that's better for him mentally than getting him on this train between Seattle and Tacoma. So what is best for the Mariners in figuring out Jared Kelnick's future? Is it getting him on the right track mentally so that he can be his very best at the major league level? I mean, this season, there were expectations. There were expectations of a winning team. There were expectations of potentially making the playoffs. Over the last two weeks, since I last spoke to you guys on extra innings, it has not gone that way. It has not gone a way that I think is instilling confidence in people right now. Least of all, Jared Kelnick. But if this team is going to reach its maximum potential in 2022, if this team is going to outperform the start that they have gotten off to, they need him more than they need anybody else in this lineup. And they need the best version of Jared Kelnick. And maybe that addition of Jared Kelnick doesn't exist in its current state. Maybe he does need to be sent down. But if this team is going to get back to where they were after the first homestand, when they were 11-6 and six and they had just walked off the Kansas City Royals and they had just beaten the Texas Rangers 2-3 of three, and they had just beaten the Houston Astros 2-3, of three, and I said on this show that they had sent a message to the Astros that this Mariners team is for real. Boy, how quickly a season can change in Major League Baseball. But the other guy in the Mariners lineup that absolutely needs to step up is Jesse Winker. This is a guy who you sacrificed part of your future for. They gave up a top 100 prospect in Brandon Williamson, the lefty, who many people in this organization had put ahead of Emerson Hancock in terms of his position on the list of best Mariners prospects. They gave him up. They gave up, obviously, Jake Fraley and Justin Dunn. And they gave up another guy, Connor Phillips, as the player to be named, as the player to be named later. So where's Jesse Winker's bat been? He's got one home run. He's got an OPS under 600. Is it time to worry about him? Here's what Passon had to say. I'm I'm worried a little bit about Jesse Winker. And, and now if if he's not the guy, if he's not an half the guy the Mariners thought that they were getting, then that's a real problem because he was supposed to be a, a linchpin of that lineup. If Jesse Winker isn't the guy they got from Cincinnati. They better figure out who they have that is trapped inside of Jesse Winker's body right now because it's somebody that, if this continues, is going to produce a negative value to this Mariners team. And they will need as much help as they can if they want to right the wrongs of the last two weeks and get back on the winning side of things and get back into the playoff conversation because... Lo and behold, the Angels have clearly gotten better than what they were a year ago. The Astros are still a good team. And right now you're looking up at them in the American League West race. I'm Curtis Rogers. This is Extra Innings on Seattle Sports Station. Coming up in this hour, we are going to take a listen to what Jerry DePoto told our very own Mike Salk earlier today. We'll also take a listen to a very unique conversation that Jake and Stacy had with the pitching ninja, Rob Friedman, one of the most popular personalities on social media in baseball. But up next, I sit down with our very own Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com. This is Extra Innings on Seattle Sports Station.
and the Seattle Sports app. You're listening to Extra Innings, Inside the Mariners, on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Joining me now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, it is Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com joining me. Brandon, boy, this offense, this Mariners team over the last two weeks, really since we last spoke, has taken a turn and not a good one. How do you diagnose it? I mean, there's just so much that has gone into this this stretch where the Mariners just have not looked like what they were in the season's first two weeks. How do you see this offense maybe getting right at some point over the next few weeks? Well, right now it's just there's not a lot of length to it, unfortunately, which was the strength for it coming into this year. Mitch Hanniger being out is really, really an issue uh, and doesn't sound like he's going to be back until July, unfortunately. And that's coupled with a few guys that they were really counting on heading into the season, scuffling out of the gate. Uh, obviously, Jared Kelnick in the outfield, he's, he's played great defensively, but just at the plate, so inconsistent and uh, just not hitting pitches that he should be hitting and um, sticking with the outfield. I mean, Julio's been able to kind of get it going, but Jesse Winker was a guy that they traded for who was supposed to be kind of a cornerstone for this team. I mean, he was hitting in the three hole from the start, and unfortunately, he's really scuffled. He he has a good idea of what uh, of what our balls and strikes are. He has a good feel for the zone, and he's making good swing decisions, but he's just not hitting the ball very hard. A lot of weak pop-ups, a lot of rollovers and things like that. So even getting him going would just help so much. I mean, he's down to the seven spot on Wednesday. So uh, getting him back and, and going like he can and hammering fastballs, he just doesn't look like his timing's right. That's going to be huge. And it's going to take a little bit, probably another two weeks or so, but I think getting Kyle Lewis back will really help as well, especially if Kelnick is continuing to struggle. And they can kind of shuffle up the outfield a little bit and uh, get get some of those bats going, hopefully. You bring up Kelnick. What would you do with him right now? Do you think it's best for them to stay the course with him at the major league level, or is it time for him to start seeing some minor league pitching? It really depends, Curtis, on what the adjustments that they're trying to make with him are. And it sounded like kind of late last week and early into this week that Scott Service was pretty happy with some of the adjustments that Kelnick was making. And we saw the big home run that he hit against Tampa Bay last Friday, which was awesome, great pinch hit moment for him. And he's had he had some good at-bats in that stretch, too. I think he worked a couple walks. He's seen the ball pretty well, making good swing decisions. But uh, after after yesterday's game, he, he came up in a pinch hit situation and uh, struck out looking, and it didn't sound like Scott was super thrilled, not just with the end result, but just uh, with the adjustments that he'd made and what he kind of reverted back to. So it just really depends there because if it's just a pure confidence thing, yeah, going back down to the minors and mashing on AAA pitching and showing I'm too good for this level might be what kind of helps get him right. But if it's something where they think he's on the right track with the adjustments, I think you, you do give it a little bit more time, maybe give him this road trip, and then when they're back at the end of the month, if it's still kind of same old, same old, then that's when you can kind of try to reconfigure it, especially because that's going to be around the time that Kyle Lewis is expected to, to rejoin the roster. With Kelnick, though, do you think that AAA pitching would be the best remedy for it, or should he go down even further, maybe to double A, where the talent level a lot of times is better than what it is at AAA because AAA is often filled with with journeyman guys, guys who are on their last yeah. legs in in baseball. Do you think maybe he'd be better suited at, at, in Arkansas? I know the distance between here and Tacoma is is much more favorable for the Mariners. They can keep you know close tabs on him, but would it be best suited maybe to face better competition in AA? 
Yeah, that, that's a good point. And, and the other part of that, too, is obviously out here on the West Coast, the teams that the Tacoma Rainiers face, a lot of really, really hitter-friendly ballparks, right? You're seeing a lot of balls fly out that just aren't flying out at the, at the major league level, uh, seeing a lot of inf- inflated runs and things like that. So, again, what I said in terms of, like, if it's just a confidence thing where he needs to go down a level and just show, like, I'm too good for this, uh, I'm going to come back up and I'm going to mash and show I'm an MLB player, then, yeah, he should just go to Tacoma. But if it's something where they think it's just the quality of pitching is too much and that's, that's a recurring struggle for him, then, yeah, that's a really good point. That double-A typically does have, uh, does have some better arms, and we've kind of seen that with the Mariners, too. I mean, George Kirby and Levi Stout are two guys that they love and they think very highly of, but it was pretty noticeable that they kept those guys in double-A versus, uh, versus triple-A, and Kirby made the jump straight up to the majors. So, yeah, no, that's, that's a good point, and it's definitely something that if I think it's just quality of pitching, it's something he can't handle. It should definitely be in the cards because as much as Mariners fans and the team want to win this year, Kelnick is one of those guys that is supposed to be around for the long haul and be a cornerstone for that. So as much as getting him right specifically for this season, is getting right for the long haul. So one type player, middle of the order type bat, that, that's especially critical for Seattle. Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com joining me right now on Extra Innings. And Brandon, your point about George Kirby leads me to my next question. And uh, what did you make of his debut on Sunday? It feels like it was forever ago since he's last pitched. We're already on Thursday. Uh, he makes his next start on Saturday against the Mets. But what did you make of that dazzling six-inning debut? Well, it's just it's so different than kind of how Matt Brash has gone about his business, and obviously Kirby replaced Brash in the rotation. And over his last few starts, Brash before he got sent down, it was just a lot of non-competitive pitches. He wasn't in and around the zone enough. Whereas George Kirby's just the exact opposite. That guy is going to pound the zone. He's going to throw a lot of strikes. He leans on his fastball, uh, and he's going to keep you in games. And that that's exactly kind of what the Mariners need right now until they turn this thing around but I thought that the fastball was electric I mean he had 15 swings and misses total and 13 of those came on the fastball which is really impressive especially because Tampa Bay is just a really good tough team to beat so getting through six like he did with a pretty good pitch count bodes really well for him going forward didn't seem walk anybody which is kind of his mo so really really impressed it was uh it was cool to see his family in the stands and all of his friends they had the the big cheering section and uh it's pretty cool for him that he gets to make his first start uh, at home in Seattle on Mother's Day, and then his very next start is this Saturday coming up uh, in his home state of New York. And uh, you'd think that he's going to have a pretty big cheering section there too. And uh, he's he's going to need it because the, the Mets are a really really tough team, and uh, Mariners obviously scuffling right now, so they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna need all the help they can get. But Kirby really really impressive. Excited to see kind of how those secondary pitches. Uh, develop into swing and miss type stuff because the fastball definitely plays and is an effective pitch for him god yeah i i hope it's tra- i hope his cheering section is a traveling band of, of yeah, people exactly. because uh <laughs> what they brought to t-mobile park on sunday uh was something unlike i had ever seen before it, it was funny because my family yeah. and i we went uh to watch the game from the stands and we were sitting about a section over from them and Boy, were they boisterous. They made their presence known from the first pitch to the final out of the game. Uh, it was hilarious to watch, and I think it did I think it did kind of give him a little bit of a lift. I mean, obviously, 
Uh, Kirby would never show that on the mound because he, he looks like his pulse is about a flat line. Uh, but yeah, right. I mean, how cool would that be to make your major league debut and know that all of your closest friends, every single one of them, uh, from elementary school, high school, college, made it a point to be there for you? I mean, that's got to be just the coolest feeling ever. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it was kind of like a college atmosphere a little bit, just see, seeing those guys go out there and they were chanting, and I I know they were doing like the hip hip Jorge type stuff for him, and. Uh, <laughs> Just, just really, yeah, just really, really cool. And and you'd think that going back to New York, where he's from, and all those all those guys are from, and they all live out on the East Coast, is kind of what it sounds like. Uh, would be pretty cool to go into a pretty hostile environment like City Field and just have a little section dedicated to the Mariners and George Kirby. So yeah, definitely got to be feeling good on multiple fronts after his uh, after his first start. Brandon, I've got you for a couple more minutes. I want to get your take on the Mariners bullpen right now, which. Last year was one of the very best in the game, but this year has has certainly had its fair share of struggles. Uh, You see guys who they were relying heavily upon. Diego Castillo, I think right now, is at the forefront of everybody's mind. His ERA is up near nine. Uh, Drew Steckenrider hasn't necessarily been as as filthy as he was a year ago. I mean, even Paul Sewald had his his struggles uh, in that Tampa Bay series against Manny Margot, and then he allowed a home run the other night against Philadelphia. What are you seeing from the bullpen right now that just, for whatever reason, it has sort of swung back the other way from where it was a year ago? Yeah, I, I think the two guys that you mentioned in particular really stand out uh, in a negative light, which is Diego Castillo and Drew Steckenrider. Steckenrider was a go-to guy last year, like like Paul Seawald, like Casey Sadler, and he just hasn't been as sharp, hasn't hasn't been as good. He hasn't pitched a clean inning yet this year. He's allowed at least one base runner and I think all 12 of his outings. And uh, Diego Castillo, obviously, he was somebody that they acquired to be a back-end guy to, to pair with all those arms. And he was really good for his first 10 appearances. He had an ERA, I think, around 1-5. And then um, these last three outings, he's given up at least one run. And obviously, the, the Tampa Bay series especially, I don't think he recorded a single out and he gave up the grand slam to to Manny Margot. So got to get at least one of those guys going. Uh, the good news for them is Sergio Romo should hopefully be activated here for this road trip, if not right away. Uh, at some point, he's traveling with the team. Um, Eric Swanson's been really, really good as well. He had the one kind of hiccup outing where he gave up the solo shot. I think that was the same game that uh, that uh, Paul Seawald gave up his first home run of the year as well. And um, I think that he's been awesome. And, and Penn Murphy, after making his MLB debut, he's he's been incredible. I think he only allowed just two hits uh, in yesterday's outing were the first two hits he's allowed in his entire MLB career. So there's definitely some promise there, but got to get at least one of Steckenrider and Castillo going and, and getting Romo back, I think, will hopefully help turn the tide here a little bit. But as I told you a few weeks ago, I am worried when they get into these divisional games how they're going to handle the left-handed pitching because – Anthony Masevich has been a little better this year than he's been in the past two years, but just doesn't have that great track record of recording outs against left-handers. So uh, when you face an Otani and Marsh down in uh, down in Anaheim and and uh, Alvarez with the the Astros, uh, that's uh, that's tough sledding. So there's definitely still some makings there, a lot of promise, but yeah, got to get at least one of those veteran arms going here. He is Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at TheBGustafson. Make sure you're reading all of his work on our website. Brandon, really appreciate you joining me. And uh, my next show's in two weeks, so hopefully we'll get you on again. And uh, always, always appreciate having you here. Anytime, C-Rod. Appreciate it.
Just on the other side, we take a listen to Mariners General Manager Jerry Depoto, who joined our very own Mike Salk earlier today on Seattle Sports Station. What did he have to say about the Mariners' offensive woes? When can we expect Kyle Lewis back? And what will this roster look like over the next few days? That's all ahead. Curtis Rogers with you on Extra Innings on Seattle Sports Station and the Seattle Sports app. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Curtis Rogers with you. Thank you so much for making Extra Innings a part of your Thursday evening. We are on every single off day for the Mariners during the 2022 season. That is something new we are doing here at Seattle Sports Station. So really appreciate you making us a part of what's going on. Make sure to download every edition of Extra Innings at seattlesports.com. Every hour of every show available at your fingertips. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts, we are there for you. Coming up later on in Extra Innings, Anthony DeComo of MLB.com. He will join me to give a Mets perspective of this series that's going to go down tomorrow through Sunday, this Mariners-Mets series. Two teams that are obviously connected in various ways over the last four or five years because of that Jared Kelnick and Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz trade uh, from a few years ago. But also some interesting notes from him about uh, just what this Mets team has done over the last couple of years, how they have vaulted themselves in front of the National League right now. Uh, That conversation comes your way in about 30 minutes from now here on Extra Innings. But up next, we hear from Jerry DePoto, Mariners general manager, Mariners team president, I should say, of baseball operations. What does he make of this team's rough stretch over the last two weeks? Let's take a listen to that conversation he had earlier today with Mike Salk on Seattle Sports Station. Uh, you know, it's it really the last 15 games for us. It would be harder to to figure out what's going on than than what's going wrong, <laughs> which is roughly everything. You know, we 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 just haven't played well. It's that simple and and it's been in all facets truly. We've we've not pitched. We've we've really lost our our dominance of the strike zone, which is something that we've done quite well as a pitching staff. And, and from an offensive perspective, it's just been really hard to get that the big hit in the big moment. And, and as much as it seems like we have no action or no traffic offensively, that's a little bit more on par with what's happening around the league. We're just having a very difficult time getting the big hit to score the run. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that's that's affecting us in a negative way. Do you think the the at bats and sort of the the quality of the process? How has that been for taking the results out of it? Because we've all seen the results. How has the process been? You know, in the, the first two weeks of the season, we had a, as good or better a process than we've ever had, and and you could argue it was the best in the league. We, we led the league in walks. We weren't striking out. We were, you know, every at bat fundamentally was was executed. I, it was unbelievable up and down the lineup. And, and since then, we've become very ordinary. You know, our, our walk rate is more middle of the pack. Our strikeout rate is more middle of the pack. And, you know, for me, there's a simple answer to that. Is in, in the last 15 days, we've played some of the better teams in the league. And, you know, that the, the good pitching will throttle the, the, those the impact in a negative way, those, those uh, statistics. But our process until very recently has been very good. And 
I think like is often the case when you face adversity or you, you, you're struggling, you start to push and you stress and, and you do things or try to do things that you're just not capable of. And, you know, our guys are, it's not, it's not a lack of effort. They might be trying too hard and putting pressure on themselves to, to do more than they're capable of right now. Yeah, and I think that that should be a familiar idea to a lot of people, right? I mean, you get on a golf course and you don't hit a good drive and now you're 220 yards out. And instead of, you know, knowing that that's not a shot you should really hit, right? You reach into a club for a club you can't hit and now you've gotten yourself into a much bigger hole. I got to imagine for you, it's got to be just, you know, incredibly challenging because as you're watching, you can't reach out to anybody in the middle of the game. You can't help anybody in the middle of the game. It must be kind of a powerless feeling at times once you've put the product out there. It is, you know, and we've had this week, as as you might expect, has been a week of a lot of meetings, a lot of discussions on, on how we can, can help. And, you know, that goes for, for me, for the front office, for Scott and the staff. What can we do to help? Because the struggle has been so complete, you know, and, and the, the, the helpless feeling that we've had is, you know, we have a 40-man roster, and you have to manage the 40-man the roster. And right now, 26 of those players are in the big leagues, and eight of them are injured. <laughs> and that doesn't count those that are on the 60-day right. who are you know, effectively not counted against your 40-man. So we only have five healthy players that, that aren't currently playing for us in the big leagues that are eligible. And only one of them is eligible to return because you have to spend 10 days in the minor leagues after uh, – you're, you're demoted. So we're really strapped right now and trying to find creative solutions to provide respite for some of the guys that are struggling the most is, you know, it's challenging and we're doing the best we can to come up with, you know, ways, at least short-term solutions, because long-term we still believe in this team. This team is very talented. We do have a deep club and, and unfortunately in these last 15 days, if not the, the first month of the season, we've been tested to the brink and, and, and we've not handled it well, to be honest. So, for instance, if you wanted to make a move in your outfield and you wanted to bring up like a Steven Souza, who he would need to be added to the 40-man roster, right? And so in order to do that, you would need to find someone who you could take off of the 40-man. Correct. And you can't remove injured players from your roster. So it's a, it becomes increasingly more challenging as you add each layer of information. And, you know, there, there are ways to get around it. And, and we think we've, we've come up with a few. And, you know, one of them was, was yesterday, just uh, doing what we could. You know, Donnie Walton was mm-hmm. blocked here. The, the Giants had some interest and, and we were able to, to trade Donnie uh, to the Giants and, and, and get a, a nice, very talented young 22 year old pitcher who will report to Everett. But it also freed up a forty man roster spot for us to to try to navigate. Uh, does that you know you said last week that you would use? And I think I'm quoting you mostly accurately that you would use the minor leagues as a life preserver essentially for guys that were struggling in the majors. Um, that was a week ago, and we've seen some guys and some of the young guys continue to struggle since then. Uh, are you just as convicted about that today? No question. Uh, even more so, and you are quoting it correctly and you know just it help the player you know where meet them where they are and, and uh you know unfortunately we have had uh, such a rough stretch and such an inability to manage that, that roster because of some of the factors i just discussed that we haven't had the 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 opportunity or even the, realistically the chance to, to provide them with that that breather or that reset and 
we have to figure out how because we have a number of players that need it and, and we have to do the best we can to get them in a better place. And, and that goes really for, for everyone in our organization is it's, it, it's, I don't want to say it, it's never something you want to, you want to view through the lens of, of being punitive. Mm-hmm. You, you want to help and, and find a way to, to get back to a good place where your process is good. And, you know, we, we were able to do it a week ago with Matt Brash, and, and there are uh, there are a few more guys that we would like to get into that situation, and, and uh, we have to find a way. Well, today today being an off day, is this the type of day where we might expect a decision like that or a move like that to get made? Only if we're able to resolve some of the, the roster challenges that we're currently dealing with. And you know, it was a, a long night you know, uh, after the game last night trying to figure out how we might be able to navigate uh, the roster as we head into New York, you know, we also have the challenge of, of going to Canada on Monday. So, you know, another layer of information to, to try to manage here. So there, there are some moving parts that, that may allow us to do something in the next day or so, but, you know, it's a minimally, we have to, we have to look at all the different, I guess, available options for us to, to, to reset and give our team a different look in the short term, mostly so we can get players we believe in back on track. Mm. Well, let's talk about some of the guys that have been on track because there have been a few. I, I know it's been frustrating from a from a large scale standpoint, but what you've seen from Julio over the last few weeks has to be incredibly encouraging. No, well, we've struggled our most. He's been, you know, kind of a light in the fog, so to speak. He's he has he gets increasingly you know, better with with each plate appearance with each day and he does something fun every day whether it's on defense it's a throw it's the way he runs the bases it's, it's the quality of the at-bats you know and and, I, and i'll say this like julio this week like a few of our guys particularly in that that the nola game against the phillies you know he, they started to get a couple of breaks that frankly we weren't getting for you know we went two weeks losing every inch on the game of inches <laughs> and you know in the last couple of days we did start to get a few breaks and and julio got a few of them and to me that's deserved when throughout the quality of your process has been good and and, and you're hitting the ball hard when you do that and you do it consistently you're going to get a couple of those little infield rollers the off hit that that winds up going for a knock and 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 julio got a few of them and and he's been a joy he's always got the smile i he's i, I feel like he by inches, he missed a, a, a three-run homer in yesterday's game that that changes the look of it. And I just I feel confident every time time he comes to the plate that we're we're seeing a young star kind of blossom. Yeah, it's been so interesting watching him and uh, the like. He hasn't we haven't seen the home runs right. We just saw one home run, but it it sure feels as if he's almost modified some of his approach for being a rookie in Major League Baseball as opposed to being a veteran who can handle everything and knows when to hit a home run. Is that is that accurate? Is that how he's handled himself? Well, I think uh, Julio's power is huge. I mean, you saw it with the one home run he did hit. It right. was Titanic in, in, down in Miami. But the he hits the ball hard. And what Julio focuses on right now, which I think is the right way to go, and and we were taught for so many years that the first thing that comes is the hit and then the power. And, you know, he's just focusing on being a good hitter. And, and over the course of the last three weeks, especially, he has become a good hitter. And, you know, it's, you know, along with guys like Ty and, and JT Crawford, over these last three weeks, he's been the, he has been the consistent offensive, you know, force in the lineup. 
just by going and being a good hitter. And, and I do think that you're going to start to see the power, you know, manifest over the course of the season, because as he trusts his ability to, to drive the ball around the ballpark, now you'll see him take his chances and go lift. And, and, uh, and it's, I, that is an encouraging thing with a young player when they're focused first on the hit, second on the power. As I said earlier, make sure you are downloading each hour of each show from the podcast page of seattlesports.com. If you want to hear that full conversation with Mike Salk and Jerry DePoto, that's the place you want to find it. Up next, a unique conversation between Jake Stacy and the pitching ninja, Rob Friedman. We take a listen to what he had to say about the Mariners' young crop of arms, Logan Gilbert, Matt Brash, and most recently, George Kirby, who looked incredible in his Major League debut on Sunday. That's coming your way next year on Extra Innings. I'm Curtis Rogers. You are listening to Seattle Sports Station on 710 and seattlesports.com. You are listening to Extra Innings, Inside the Mariners, on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. And the right-handers, one-two pitch, the G-man joint, a swing and a miss for strike three, and he did it. George Kirby walks off the diamond, striking out the side here in the top of the first inning in his first big league inning to a standing ovation here at T-Mobile Park. What a start for young George Kirby, and listen to the crowd. George Kirby strikes out Lau, a Rosarena, and G-Man Choi. And that's it for Tampa Bay. Way to go, kid. You couldn't ask for a better start to start his major league career. You also couldn't ask for a better start to that start of the start of his major league career, if you catch what I'm picking up here. George Kirby striking out the side in the very first inning of his very first start who goes six strong, six shutout innings, I might add, against the Tampa Bay Rays lineup, a Tampa Bay team that, look, has been one of the best teams in the American League over the last half decade, over the last decade, really. And Kirby looked just totally in control on Sunday. And if you were at the stadium at T-Mobile Park, it was quite the atmosphere, I must say, for a team that has been scuffling over the last couple of weeks. You could not tell by being there on Sunday in the sun-soaked T-Mobile Park. It was Mother's Day. Happened to take my family to the ballpark on Mother's Day. It was a, an incredible atmosphere to be there. And what made that even more special was Kirby's performance. Not just how good he was, but doing so in the very first action he's ever seen on a Major League Baseball field. And he was just so good and so in command of everything that he did on Sunday. It's not too often you see a rookie look the way he did and and, and pitch the way he did with the confidence, with the command, with the poise that he did. I, I, I remarked on my Twitter account, you can follow me, at a kid from Kent, that of course George Kirby was going to p- pitch that well because, look, this guy's pulse probably doesn't get above 35 beats per minute. This guy looked like he was as close to a flatline pulse as you could possibly get without tripping the monitor. This guy was just unfazed by anything that came his way on Sunday. Now, the Mariners have a wealth of young pitching in their farm system, or at least they did until we've seen a lot of these guys graduate. Logan Gilbert, who has was the American League Pitcher of the Month in the month of April, 
You've got Matt Brash, who we saw in spurts early on this season, looked really good in that start against the White Sox. He gets sent down. They're working on him as maybe a relief pitcher long-term. Maybe he'll be a reliever this year, moving back to the starting rotation. But he's got some stuff that has been diabolical at times. Yeah, he had a, a few rough starts to end his first tenure in the bigs. But now we're seeing George Kirby's turn. And boy, did he pass that very first test on Sunday against the Tampa Bay Rays. One of the great personalities in the baseball media world right now is Rob Friedman, who on social media is best known as Pitching Ninja, a guy who celebrates the nastiest pitches, the best pitches, the pitchers with the best stuff, specifically the young pitchers of the game, the guys who are going to be the next wave. And the Mariners, they've got that in spades right now. What does Rob Friedman think of the Mariners' young trio of pitchers, Gilbert Brash, and now George Kirby. Let's take a listen to what he had to say with Jake Heaps and Stacey Rost earlier this week on Seattle Sports Station. We just saw a phenomenal debut from a young Mariners prospect in a season where we're still kind of trying to figure out what version of this team we're going to see. So I actually want to start there because you had George Kirby as one of your filthiest pitches from the weekend. What did you see from him? Oh, he's outstanding. I mean, just great life on his fastball. He had a wicked slider. And great command. Like, he is the, he's the complete package. You know, Rob, one of the things that we were looking at is George Kirby coming into his debut, being able to go up against one of the better lineups in all of baseball and to have that kind of command uh, and, and, and presence with the strike zone. Is, is that a combination of a, a lineup that doesn't quite have the book on, on George Kirby and not seeing him and him being new and surprising people, or is it – does it speak to just how how good George Kirby's stuff can play at the major league level? You know, I think it's a combo of both. I mean, obviously, major league hitters adjust. I mean, that's what they do. But his stuff will play. Like, the life on his fastball is incredible. And the big thing that jumps out at me is his command. Like, young pitchers can be random with command. And, you know, they, they may have stuff. They may lack in command. His command is, is impeccable. So I can see him like, I mean, he just, he looks like an ace early on. Hey, um, I'm wondering, uh, you know, I, I do want to keep talking about uh, George Kirby and, and uh, some of the other uh, pitchers here. I'm very excited to talk to you about Logan Gilbert as well. Very quickly, <laughs> though, we had some news uh, from last week, which was uh, Matt Brash being sent back down. You had great videos in his debut because his slider was just nasty. So, what did you make of him, but also about that, I don't want to call it a demotion, but, but being sent back down, what do you think his future is here? You know, that's a great question. I also interviewed Matt Brash for like an hour, um, and he is, he's a great dude with incredible stuff. So he's, the difference between him and Kirby is command. Like, he's one of those young pitchers, Brash is one of those young pitchers who has jump-off-the-page stuff. Like, you look at it and you're like, I don't see how anybody ever could hit this guy. Yeah. The key, though, you know, at major league level, you see the pitches enough, you know when to lay off them, and he'll adjust. I mean, stuff is still – stuff plays. Um, I think it's not that bad for him to get sent down for a little bit to work on command, um, but I ha- I mean, his ceiling is incredibly high, and uh, I love watching him pitch. Like, dude's he's got it together, smart kid, 
Um, great poise, too. It's just yeah, something you work through. Everybody's got those road bumps. There, there's no doubt about that, and that's why you know the number one thing coming into today, Rob, is people from Seattle going, gosh, we saw this amazing debut from Matt Brash. We're seeing the same thing from George Kirby. Are we going to see a similar path for George Kirby here is it, is it did we see the best of him you know in this early in his early career or is there is there a difference between these two guys and what Mariners fans should have expectations for George Kirby the next time he hits the mound excellent excellent question because i think i think they're 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 the same in that they have they have really good stuff they're different in that Kirby has had elite command at every level um, at Elon, he was a, I mean, like a hundred and something strikeouts and single digit walks. So it's not like he sprays the ball all over the place. Brash's thing is, you know, he, his, when, when pitches move as much as they do, he, little things can throw you off and even a little bit of nerves, a little bit of adjusting, thinking hitters are better than they are. You're going to struggle sometimes. So I think they're very different in that respect. And, and, uh, Kirby's command, that's not going away. So his stuff and command will play. I think Brash, though, like people, this is the one thing that's tough as a baseball fan. Everybody does it. Have patience. Young pitchers take time. Randy Johnson took forever to get command, and then look what he turned out being. So you just have to be patient. I know you want to win right away, but patience is a virtue. He'll be fine. Speaking of very famous pitchers and Hall of Fame pitchers, you are a pitching analyst, right, for MLB, ESPN. You've been doing this for a long time. Uh, you know more about it than than many, many people. I mean, Jerry DePoto <laughs> talked about you the other day, right? Some people are very clued in. Um, do you ever watch any of the – I mean, I'm sure you – with guys with any organization, but – have you watched any of these young Seattle Mariners pitchers and thought, oh, man, parts of him remind me of this guy that, that people might know? You know, that is a great question, and I'm trying to think. Brash's stuff is, is just it, – it's cartoon-like, and it reminds <laughs> me of somebody like um, – I'm trying to think of a Mariners pitcher that would be that way, but – it's more of like a, you know, a Dave Steve type movement back in the day, like just an incredible moving slider that is that just jumps off the page. Uh, it, and it's a hard a hard guy to comp with uh, with Kirby because I haven't seen him as much. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the big thing for for me is his poise. I mean, dude looks like a veteran out there. The 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 poise he had, his little K strut after Kane the side just. I, I mentioned on my on my Twitter account, it was like a veteran move. You just see him walk off, and he's just like, I've done this a million times before. No big deal. Yeah, um, It was just fun to watch. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, I do have to point out that there are I, – I know you come across guys that you're just like, I am in love with this player. Is Andres Munoz one of those guys for you, Rob? <laughs> he absolutely is. Like, like oh, my God. Uh, yesterday, just lightning stuff. I mean, the velo jumps out at you, but his his slider and uh, like it was electric. He's he's he is one of those electric guys, and it looks, you know, look, I, I I like to put things out there that fans like, and his stuff also is one of those things that everybody their eyes pop when they see his stuff. Uh, Rob, one of the other things that we've been pointing out to is, yeah, we're you know we're interested in the young guys and how they're developing and how everything's coming along, but what about the American League pitcher? 
of the month in Logan Gilbert in just his second year after he's been making this adjustment. What uh, what have you seen from him uh, that's allowed him to be able to you know be so dominant so early? Well, yeah, right. He's another young guy, and it with him, it's his poise and confidence, like. I watch him pitch, and sometimes he's almost like dismissing hitters. He walks off and he puts his hand in the air like, go away. It's a little Garrett Cole type move where uh, you're walking off and like, you're not good enough to face me. So he, uh, I think it's the confidence because a lot of guys when they're brought up, they first come out there and they give so much respect to hitters. And they think that these hitters you can't make a mistake to. They're all better than me. And he doesn't have that. Like, he'll shove the ball. And I think his stuff, his and and, and you know, adding the changeup, I think helps. I mean, adding something other than a fastball is useful. Uh, but he's he's really really good. He's fun to watch. He most certainly is. And if you're not following Pitching Ninja, aka Rob Friedman, make sure you're doing so on Twitter and really any social media platform at Pitching Ninja. You can see all the best pitches from each day in Major League Baseball, the nastiest ones, and a lot of Mariners this year have made it on to his features. You've got George Kirby, obviously, from this weekend, Andres Munoz, as he talks about, uh, with just the absolute heat that he throws out of the bullpen. So make sure you are following him on social media. Still plenty to get to here on Extra Innings. We've got Hour 2 coming your way. Anthony DeComo of MLB.com joins me next. He does a tremendous job covering the New York Mets. We'll hear from him around the corner. Curtis Rogers with you on Extra Innings. You're listening to Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app.